I'm Buzz Fleischman, and welcome to On the Record and Off the Wall, a Jolt Radio interview show. Today we'll meet Roger Dreyer, CWO with Phantasma Toys, the number one magic brand, and a consultant for Disney and other film and TV production companies. He has one of the largest public collections of Houdini escapes, gimmicks, and props in the world. Now, Roger, in the upcoming History Channel documentary, your expertise with the Houdini collection is well known with collectors around the world. But before we talk about how you got into the field of toy creation and manufacturing, just what is a CWO? Buzz, I'm glad you got the initials right. Um, CWO, no, not a C-O-W, but a (laughs) C-W-O. And that stands for a Chief Wizard Officer. So that's my corporate title. I'm the CWO of Phantasma Toys, and I'm the head of the Houdini Museum of New York and the owner of HoudiniRevealed.com. I guess that would explain the wizard part. Um, And and so you're a Houdini collector. Tell us about your collection and how this all started. I've been told uh, that I'm the luckiest CEO in the world. Um, Magic, um, I got into magic when I was 11 years old. And my grandfather, being an immigrant, uh, took me into a magic shop. And walking to a magic shop was like walking to Disneyland. It was filled with amazement and wonder. So I paid my way through college, and magic got me into thinking creatively. Next thing you know, I'm creating promotional products and watches and clocks for 20 of the 24 divisions of the Walt Disney Company. And that was throughout the 90s where I got to play with Lion King and Toy Story and uh, Little Mermaid, uh, etc. I sold that company uh, right when Disney stores started closing up. And I said, what do I want to do? And my passion has always been magic. So that's when I formed Phantasma Magic in 2001. Wow. So you you produced uh, watches and things. Now, there's a... Uh, a story about uh, Mickey and Minnie watches um, and how you got to produce those. Uh, could you tell us the background of that story? Part of our success uh, working with Disney is I was so fortunate uh, being an artist to work with some of Disney's legendary artists. They were called the Nine Old Men. And I worked with four of the nine men, such uh, luminaries as Mark Davis who created Tinkerbell and Bambi and um, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and Haunted Mansion. He was actually the first Disney Imagineer. Mark Davis was nice enough to introduce me to other Disney legends. And then um, all of a sudden, I also got involved with the character voices. And I was so lucky to work with Mickey and Minnie, the actual voices, who met on a Disney movie. And they actually uh, got married on the after uh, filming Runaway Brain. The people that the people that played Mickey and Minnie actually got married to each other. There you have it, folks. There's an inside Disney scoop. Yep, uh, Russ Allwine married Rusey Taylor. They were both independent character voices. They met on the movie set, and they got married. They were a phenomenal, lovely couple. And unfortunately, they're both not with us right now, but. They, like so many other artists, were amazing with kids where they would call kids on their own every week that, hey, this is Mickey or hey, this is Minnie. And some kids that were supposed to unfortunately pass away 
after a few months lasted uh, way, way much longer just because they couldn't wait to speak to Mickey and Minnie Mouse again. Mm-hmm. So I was so fortunate to walk, uh, work with such beautiful people like them. What a wonderful way for uh, a character to give back to society and, and help children that way. And, and in fact, uh, when you started working with magic and producing sets for kids uh, through major outlets around the country and, and, and elsewhere, you wanted kids to, to get involved in magic. Why? Magic uh, changed my life. Um, there's a lot of different toys that parents can choose from. And there's really no other toy like the art of magic. Magic has been proven to help a child build their self-confidence, public speaking, think creatively. And uh, magic, uh, thanks to David Copperfield, he formed a organization called Project Magic that is being utilized by occupational therapists in leading hospitals where they help kids literally uh, rehabilitate their injuries by uh, doing magic tricks. So there is a tremendous connection between the hand-eye coordination in the brain and performing magic. So I've been uh, very fortunate to want to share the same passion that I had as a child and get kids off their phones and parents like it because the kids are now forced to interact and socialize with one another and Kids love magic because they get to do their favorite trick and perform it on social media. They've seen the magic. They love the magic. They love a magician. And when they can do the same thing, boy, it really increases their self, self-awareness self and self-worth, doesn't it? It, uh, it sure does. Like imagine being the short, ugly kid in school, always picked on, or as the proper term these days is bullying. And next thing I know... That kid does a trick for the most popular, toughest guy, and the toughest guy goes, whoa, how did you do that? And of course, the younger kid goes very well, and next thing you know, he's accepted, and that big guy takes the little guy around and says, hey, you got to do this trick for my friend, do it for my friend. And that really builds a self-confidence. Uh, we've worked with other magicians, uh, one uh, woman named Belinda Sinclair. She had a Showtime TV special for homeless kids, and they filmed it in our former New York City venue, where it was proven how kids that have absolutely nothing, imagine that, imagine going to public school and you're homeless, living in a shelter, and have nothing, but all of a sudden you're taught magic, and their respect amongst their friends, and the way they were able to get uh, through amazing, uh, challenging, um, amazing challenges in school is all due to magic. Roger, I want to ask you a question about the sets that you do sell, and we'll go into, you know, kind of what's what's in them as well. But some of the larger sets, is there a way for kids to to uh, go on the net and join some kind of a club where, the, where they could see uh, how the magic works, and there are links to YouTube videos on these things as well? Absolutely. On our website, uh, phantasmamagic.com, it has a lot of opportunities for you to have fun and to see different magic and to see different performances and onto our YouTube channel. So Phantasma Magic has a YouTube channel. In fact, one of our friends, Shin Lim, that won America's Got Talent and Global Got Talent, because of him visiting us, we had 12 million views in less than two years time. So yes, kids love magic and it's great for a kid to 
watch a magician um, and because a lot of them have never been to a live magic show but what's nice about the sets that we do we always include a book of secrets which is very important that parents want their kids not just watching they want their children reading as well so we do a combination of the both we have instructional videos online with our fun magic sets and we also have a book of secrets Oh, you're associated with all, all the different ways that uh, kids could utilize uh, these these magic sets. That, that's really wonderful. Uh, tell us uh, where they're sold. Oh, uh, yes, the commercial break. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, you can find Phantasma magic sets at uh, retailers such as Target, Hobby Lobby, BJ's Wholesale Club, Go Games, and lots of independent uh, retailers uh, throughout the world. So we're very fortunate that we've been around since 2001. In fact, our company even won Toys R Us Vendor of the Year one year just because of a unique approach. Um, because of my passion as a magician, as a child and still to this day, I personally make sure each and every trick in there is really cool, it's up to date, it's fun. Um, and guys like David Copperfield, uh, we love him and he loves our magic. and all the top magicians uh, a lot of them buy our magic sets and then resell them after their performances uh one magician named rick thomas uh he had white tigers in vegas and now he has white beautiful dogs in branson missouri and he's a big customer of ours as well wow you've you've uh, got all this creativity uh and and you're putting it uh into novelty products with your magic sets like slime and putty and, and, and remote control toys as well. So you're really, you're, you're branching out here. So Phantasma, the secret of any toy company is to have an evergreen brand. So we've made Phantasma Magic every year. Someone's going to buy our Top Hat Show or our Masters of Magic set or our Astounding Magic set. But then we capitalize on the trends um, such as slime and putties and parents were tired of kids making a mess in the kitchen with all the slime so one of our biggest customers is five below where you can see a whole wide variety of our slime products under our brand name concoction factory so um everything from uh, bubble tea to crystal clear etc and yeah we also make a uh, a spider that can actually shoot a web from its uh well behind so it's kind of fun <laughs> I want to see a video of that, um, a spider. Yes, it'll shock your pet in a good way. Oh, man, I I am sure. It's called the RC uh, attack uh, tarantula. It's uh, pretty cool. Well, well, what part of STEM is that? Uh, Science, technology, engineering, and math. But you you like to include some of those areas in the magic, uh, in in the science as well. That's uh, in the magic kits. No, we have a brand new category. Um, There's... The word, as you just mentioned, STEM, that is so misused amongst my fellow toy manufacturers where they just slap a STEM logo onto a product and they say, here is a STEM product and it only really encompasses one aspect of STEM and only the sets might only have one to three elements. Uh, We hired an expert that lectures at Yale University about education and wellness and brain body optimization and she led us to the direction of the set must have science and technology and engineering and math and what we've done is um, 
the amazement of science that like that amazes like magic and uh that's part of our tagline so we're very happy to take our magic sets but also extend it out to the science and the stem aspect as well now the magic shop you had uh in uh, in midtown uh is uh, no longer open but uh that was where you had your houdini collection i guess uh, the major part of it there Yes, um, we were so lucky. Uh, we changed uh, so many kids' lives. Uh, we were right across from Madison Square Garden area, and for 14 years, um, we didn't charge admission. We only charged admission, actually, the last year. And every major celebrity in New York, every A-list uh, uh, actually visited us, uh, which were very fortunate, from guys like Richard Gere to uh, Neil Patrick Harris, to Neil Diamond, to Conan O'Brien, Emeril Lagasse, uh, I can keep going on, um, it's a Whoopi Goldberg. So we had so much fun and a lot of MTV and VH1 uh, segments were filmed at our place and magicians such as Penn and Teller were gracious enough to uh, come and film at our venue and we just had a lot of fun sharing the art of magic with everyone. So on our floor was the Houdini Museum and the Magic Shop, and on the other side was our corporate Phantasma toys. So whenever I had a stressful phone call with a buyer asking for this or asking for that, we always try to accommodate our buyers just to have some smiles added to my day. I would just walk and just change a kid's life by saying, are you gonna be on America's Got Talent? And I would just sometimes give the kids away a fun magic uh, trick and then give them a mini Houdini Museum tour. Wow, and I'm sure their lives were never going to be the same because that, that's big in a, in a child's life. Now, you also were shooting uh, an eight-part series, Houdini Revealed. Tell us about that. It's um, once I knew due to COVID, uh, we actually stayed open maybe a little bit longer than New York wanted us to, but we just wanted to see if we could make a go. And then we opened right when we were allowed to open and just unfortunately, Midtown Manhattan, um, where we were right next to Macy's, uh, where Macy's was looted, that's when I knew the area wasn't as safe as I wanted it to be. And the whole purpose of us having the museum was to get school groups of kids to come in. And unfortunately, with kids having to stay at home for their school year and education, uh, we only were able to get nominal amount of students. So. Right now, the museum is only temporarily closed. Um, we are able to open up a storage facility in New Jersey by appointment uh, to show different uh, school groups and to show different uh, TV shows, the Houdini and other collections that we have. Um, but yes, that was an absolute fun, fun time, and we did change kids' lives. Um, one of the things that Houdini was known to say was, my brain is the key that sets me free. So what we wanted to do is to share all these fun tidbits about Houdini in this eight-part uh, series. And you could uh, watch it on HoudiniRevealed.com, and you'll see really uh, a lot of great uh, aspects and some uh, artifacts that no one's ever even seen or known about that we we're very fortunate to have obtained. Who are some of the world-famous magicians that you have uh, met and worked with uh, through um, your company? I'm very fortunate because 
I look at magic as an art form, as an entertainment form, not as a means of just doing tricks with a deck of cards. I'm really intrigued by the history of magic. And as a result, I've established relationships from everyone from uh, David Copperfield to the late Siegfried and Roy uh, to even the modern-day hero uh, Piff the Magic Dragon mm-hmm. and Shen Lim. Uh, Piff the Magic Dragon. Now, that's a guy that you have to see. He's uh, up and coming in Vegas. And I'm glad my friend David Copperfield's up and running now doing, I think he's doing 16 shows a week right now in Las Vegas at the MGM. It's amazing. Wow. Well, I'm glad that things are starting to open up here for us uh, so that people can get out and, uh, and experience some of these things. Live shows, that's important. Absolutely. Now you have uh, concessions where you sell. We're gonna we're gonna wind up about your your business here, and then we'll talk about some cool stuff with magic. You have concessions all around the world in in uh, in FAO Schwartz and uh, uh, Toys R Us. Uh, you you hire magicians to perform at these locations, also uh, not lately, but I'm sure uh, one more time back again, right? Uh, our concessions. Um, we were with FAO Schwartz for over twenty years. We're not affiliated with the new FAO Schwarz. Uh, we were with Toys R Us having demonstration venues, and we still have some magic venues in Hong Kong, uh, all the way overseas over there. Um, but there's a rumor that Toys R Us might be re- reopening in the New Jersey area, and if that's the case, we hope to have a magic venue inside the uh, future Toys R Us in New Jersey. Roger, you have a, a huge collection of all type of really cool artifacts from Houdini. What was the first item you you uh, got? I was uh, so lucky. Um, when I was younger, I actually um, had my agent, and my agent was the son of the famous Al Flosso, a Flosso Hornman Magic Company, and it was formerly Martinka's, and before that, it was um, Martinka's had a partner of a guy called Harry Houdini. So the magic shop that I used to hang out with was partially owned by Harry Houdini in 1919. So when I would get booked by the owner's son to do a magic uh, show in New York, I would go and pick up my paycheck when I was 16 years old. And back then, I was getting two hundred and fifty dollars a birthday party. That was a lot of money. Wow, back in that's the 70s. huge. Uh, and whether or not I was that good or not, Buzz, I can't tell you. But I'll tell you what did happen. When I went to pick up my check, instead of getting the check, I would get it, and I would give it right back to the owner because I would end up buying <laughs> lots of rare magic. And because I was tired of kids saying, "I saw that before." So I didn't want to hear that at all during one of my shows. So I ended up with all these magic collectibles. And next thing you know, I started trading these well-known magic collectors, my magic collectibles, for Houdini. And my first first Houdini piece was a photo of Houdini performing a trick in San Quentin jail that never was published before. And next thing you know, as the years progressed, I got another photo from that uh uh, performance and another photo and then I ended up with a letter of Houdini asking the warden of San Quentin if you can come in and perform for the inmates so part of the fun of collecting is putting all the pieces of the puzzle together 
So yeah, that was my first piece, Houdini in the Jail Yard. What, what is your, what's the piece you're most proud of? My favorite Houdini piece. Well, there's two. Uh, the most talked about piece would be the Houdini's metamorphosis trunk. And that's the trunk where Houdini would get tied down. Uh, his hands would be tied. He would enter into a sack and then into a trunk. His lovely wife, Bess, would stand on top. One, two, three. Next thing you know, three is shattered out by Houdini. Houdini is on the top. Bess Houdini is inside. And this is a trunk called the metamorphosis trunk that's over 100 years old. And if I was given uh, to examination for even the best magician today, it would be really hard to figure out the secret. It's so brilliant in how the trick is accomplished. But the fun part behind that is the famous author, Sir, uh, sorry, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, I'm sure Sherlock Holmes fame, said, Houdini, come on, tell the world the truth. The way you do that metamorphosis trick is you just dematerialize through the walls because you're from the spirit world. And Houdini would say, Balderdash, no, it's just a trick. So that's the one of the most famous tricks that I own, but that's not really my favorite, Buzz. I have done that uh, metamorphosis on stage. And that's a really cool trick. I probably did not do it as fast as Houdini did it, but it was <laughs> it was a pretty cool trick. What was the other one, Roger? My favorite is, this is really obscure, and I'll try to describe it. Okay. Imagine a metal hand made out of plum lead. And this is the hand that Houdini would use as a part of his show. In his later years, his show consisted of three parts, a magic show, an escape challenge part, and the debunking the local spiritualist. This is the hand that was uh, that would allow the spiritualist to make ghosts appear. What I mean is, whenever you have a seance, the spiritualist would say, we're now going to close the lights. Everyone, please hold on to the person's wrist next to you. So once the lights were out, the spiritualist took this metal hand, he clamped it around the person's wrist next to them. That person actually felt that tight grip, felt the weight of a real hand. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it's that hand that I'm talking about. It was just a plum metal lead hand. Now he has his hand free. He goes underneath the table and gets a spirit trumpet or a tambourine, and things are going bump in the night because his hand's free. He's rapping so, on the table... Things yeah. are going crazy, bumping in the night, and everyone is, uh, especially right after World War One, where a lot of people lost their uh, beloved uh, husbands or uh, soldiers at, at war, um, everyone was seeking ways of communicating with the dead. And Houdini went on a rampage saying, it's not right to mislead uh, people that are bereaved and to take advantage of them, and Houdini wanted to expose all these fake spiritualists. Well, wouldn't he put, be putting himself in jeopardy if he was ever caught doing those things? I mean, his his whole, the argument of uh, against spiritualism uh, would have just faded into nothingness here. Um, Houdini had countless lawsuits at the time of his death. And some people actually say, uh, in fact, one of the best Houdini books uh, is Houdini... America's First Superhero by William Kalush and Larry Sloman. In there, they talk about Houdini might have been killed by the spiritualist movement, maybe even poisoned, possibly. 
during when Houdini had a ruptured appendix uh, and peritonitis and um, as a result of uh, the appendicitis. So um, how did Houdini die? It wasn't the way they show it in the Tony Curtis 1953 Houdini movie in that water torture cell. Houdini died on Halloween 1926, and some people say it was a result of peritonitis. Or was he poisoned by the spiritualists that he was ruining their career? We don't know. Wasn't he uh, making challenges to people to punch him in the stomach at, at, uh, at different times? What, what happened there? Houdini, um, he got married when he was about 18, and right after a few weeks of meeting his pixie, uh, lovely wife, and, and he got married in 1891. By 1895, he really wasn't doing that well. In order to make uh, a room and shelter and food, he joined the Welsh Brothers Circus in 1985 and in 19, I'm sorry, in 1895 and in 1898, two different times. And when he was hanging around those fun clowns and strongmen, he actually learned from how to withstand a blow to a stomach. Uh, one of our friends, David Blaine, actually did that on one of his TV specials. David did that in a great way. So Houdini learned how to withstand a blow to a stomach. So while he was giving a interview after one of his lectures, um, some of the kids that came back uh, stage to interview him, one of them says, Mr. Houdini, is it true you can withstand the blow to your stomach? Houdini said yes, and before he could brace himself, that person, uh, Mr. Whitehead, went ahead and uh, landed several punches to his stomach, and some people say that was the initial demise of uh, Houdini. Well, he did all kinds of un unthinkable challenges uh, that, that today would be very difficult for magicians to accomplish. But he Houdini was very was, good at that. Uh, he was brilliant. One of the reasons why I'm attracted to Houdini being in, involved in toys and the words marketing, how to create awareness of that great toy that you have. And Houdini was uh, P.T. Barnum of his time. And what he would do is he would go ahead and send the front person to the town before he got to perform there. And that front person would find one of the largest factories with the most factory workers and employees. And they would say, Mr. Houdini's coming to town next week. He challenges, let's say, the Wee Tire Chain Corporation to lock them up. And sure enough, everyone in the factory wants to see Houdini fail. Sure. So next thing you know, what a brilliant way of selling out tickets for the show by having everyone want to see Houdini possibly even die or not get out of what uh, they were locking him up with. But truly, they thought he was putting his life on the line when he was hanging upside down with a straitjacket. We know that the straitjacket uh, escape is, is a fairly common escape. Is that right? Well, Houdini popularized the straitjacket escape hanging upside down from a crane. He even did it inside Times Square and other cities. But again, Houdini being the bright uh, P.T. Barnum marketer, he would have the crane in the straitjacket right outside the local city's newspaper offices. And so you're guaranteed publicity. If that newspaper is not going to run an article on that guy outside our window escaping from a straitjacket, nothing will. But the straitjacket escape was novel. Houdini was really challenged, uh, maybe locked inside a coffin or thrown inside a trunk and then thrown over into the water. Uh, Houdini's life was at great risk uh, many, many times.
It's amazing that he got through so many of those things. He, he was fearless when he would challenge people for that. But they wanted it to see a, that, and that's was, why he was, was so brilliant. famous. A, a brilliant marketer, of course. You have one of those escape jackets, don't you? Um, we have a Houdini straight jacket. And in addition to Houdini, we also have um, in our collection other artifacts of famous entertainers. Uh, David Copperfield in 1993 uh, won an Emmy Award for his CBS TV special, Passions of Fire. And David Copperfield actually took what Houdini did one level further. Not only did he escape from a straitjacket, he had a limited time to get out of that straitjacket because the rope that he was dangling from was set on fire. <laughs> and underneath David Copperfield were all these deadly lit spikes so if uh, he was to have that rope burn too fast, which it was burning too fast, and if he was to fall, he would definitely be not performing in Las Vegas right now. So we have things like Houdini's straitjacket, David Copperfield's straitjacket, but then we have artifacts from people like David Blaine, from Shin Lim, from Penn & Teller, from Siegfried and & Roy, and all the famous magicians of the time. And we even have uh, costumes that belong to a uh, famous costume that was just donated to us by uh, Rebo the Clown's family. Rebo the Clown in the 60s was, um, not only was he the second clown, I believe, as Ronald McDonald after Willard Scott, but Rebo the Clown also was on the magical land of Alakazam performing with the uh, magician uh, Mark Wilson throughout the 60s and 70s. So we have Rebo the Clown's costume, and then we're very fortunate to have a collection of Ronald McDonald costumes. Wow. And our whole story behind Ronald McDonald is really fascinating. Tell me. <laughs> we were attracted to Ronald McDonald um, because as a kid, I just loved what clowns did where they would make people happy. I love going to Ridley Brothers Circus and just laughing and watching the clowns put out the fire or all uh, 50 of them get out of a uh, Volkswagen uh, bus. But I actually, uh, through the magic world, became friends with some of the Ronald McDonald's. And I was actually fascinated with the story behind it, which was what I was told. After they would do a restaurant appearance or a school show, they would utilize magic to communicate a certain message to entertain the kids and to make sure the kids realize that it's not uh, uh, well to play with drugs and it's good to read and not right to bully. But what a lot of these Ronald McDonald's did on their own time, they would visit local hospitals, kids that were extremely sick. And many of the Ronald McDonald's uh, in each area throughout the United States, the different cities would have the own um, appropriate Ronald McDonald. Of course, there's one Ronald McDonald on TV, but all the different regions have their own regional Ronald McDonald to promote the restaurants. But a lot of these guys that went to the hospitals told me that they were able to visit with a child that parents said, this is my child, but my son has been in the coma for a long period of time. And many of them were able to get that child out of a coma just by saying, hey, Buzz, it's me. Ronald McDonald, I want to talk to you. Come on, Buzz, speak to me. And maybe an act of magic or act of higher above 
um, the kids would snap out, and it was an amazing sight. So several of the Ronald McDonald's that I've met throughout the U.S. have told me similar stories. It's an absolutely beautiful one. A documentary, which I hope one day to achieve and get involved with, really has a beautiful story. So where all these people today are saying how clowns are scary or clowns are creepy, the clowns of yesteryear were absolutely amazing. And they still are amazing uh, when done the right way. Some of the makeup in the old days was actually pretty friggin' scary, Roger. Uh, and, and kids would go crazy, but not the way it is today, because people have just uh, harped on that. And they've said the clowns are bad, and that's not the case. Clowns do a good job. Hey, they make people laugh. That's Absolutely. not a bad thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> And they make people laugh, and despite the fact that a kid might kick the clown or step on his shoes or try to pull his wig, that clown keeps that smile on. He better, he better keep that smile on. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're an antique. Uh, so you've got some costumes from, from the Ronald McDonald character. That's amazing. I'm very, very lucky. I obtain a lot of them at different sales or on eBay or different auctions. And I was able to obtain a lot of original Ronald McDonald artifacts and Ronald McDonald magic. So, yes, we love Ronald McDonald because of the way he communicated with children. And everything we have in our collection, we're very fortunate, has its own message. And um, there's so many amazing entertainers out there that were more than just what the stage portrayed. They all have a, some type of backstory. Um, one backstory that I'm so intrigued about I just saw a movie called Resistance, the story of Marcel Marceau, the famous Bip the Clown pantomime artist. And according to his family, it might not have been the most um, authentic portrayal of what Marcel Marceau did. But what this clown did was he helped uh, at least 70 to 100 children escape France out of Nazi Germany uh, control and brought them through the mountains into Switzerland and the way he would be able to sneak them across the border is acting as a camp counselor. And because of his pantomime and clown skills, he put the kids uh, totally at ease. And he was a, using laughter to calm the kids because the SS Gestapo would pick up on any kids that seemed to be uncomfortable. And uh, Marcel Marceau was a hidden uh, hero. He was only in his teens when he went ahead and did that, just when he started doing mime and uh, clowning. So then here you have this famous pantomime artist, Marcel Marceau, but you never know the backstory about how he uh, helped children escape, not just Jewish children, but Gentiles as well, because they were being forced to go to labor camps uh, um, and uh, from Paris off to uh, Germany. That's a wonderful story, Roger. That's amazing. Uh, you, you never know about some people, right? Um, Absolutely. We're talking about magic and how it's done. Now, I grew up in Jersey City, and my family knew a magician whose name was Sam Hurwitz. He was also known uh, as Muhammad Bey. And, and Muhammad Bey, as a magician, uh, now Sam had a, a set of twin daughters. You know where I'm going with this? Uh, you're talking about Shari? Um, uh, it was a Lily Hurwitz, and I forgot her sister's name, but 
you know, a magician would make one disappear and the other would be, would appear somewhere else on stage. A really uh, great is trick. Is that how it's done? I've always wondered how that trick was done. Yeah, Roger. I, I, I'm happy to tell you this little secret. I, and don't say anything to anybody about that, okay? Because <laughs> I, I don't want the word to get out. But he had, but he had two daughters. He had twins. And, uh, and, and, and they worked with him uh, in, in his show. Now, Muhammad Bey was one of the five original members of the New York City Inner Circle. This was 1932. He was a member of the Secret Six uh, as well, uh, which was a, a huge magic group back in those days. But that was one of the ways that, uh, that magicians would, would pull, things, pull things out. Now, I would never tell what the metamorphosis trick is, but, uh-huh. but it's fun to show kids how magic works so they get it. You know, it's uh, interesting that you said that because um, there's two types of people. There's um, one person that just wants to go to a a David Copperfield magic show and just be entertained. Then there's another type that just says, oh, I hate magic because I just want to know how the trick's done. But by revealing certain secrets of magic that kids can learn online or through books, it really opens up an amazing creative world where that would help the child think uh, technologically and engineering-wise and how different elements of magic is done. Luckily, today, they really don't use uh, twins in magic. Um, the illusions have gotten so advanced that the magician on stage doesn't have to use a twin. So a lot of these guys you see in Vegas aren't using twins. They're using the most incredible magic principles. But it's not really the trick. It's how the performer presents it. That's really the uh, key. But no, boy, you're lucky to have uh, met uh, uh, Muhammad Bey. That's uh, quite amazing. And everyone should have a mentor. And it's nice that what we were doing at Phantasma Magic and at Houdini Museum and now at Houdini Revealed, we're trying to mentor kids uh, through uh, Zoom classes and through different internet uh uh, readings to get kids uh, to get into magic. So yes, uh, whether you have a mentor or whether you use social media in order to get into magic, it is a beautiful art. Have you got Zoom classes in magic going on now? We uh, we always have uh, groups at a time. In fact, uh, we were very fortunate uh, during COVID, the James Snyder, who plays Harry Potter on Broadway, would make guest appearances during our Zoom classes. Uh, we were very fortunate for that. So nothing like uh, all of a sudden having a Zoom class and having a celebrity come on board uh, just to make the kids smile. How would people get to uh, that situation? Where would they, they just where go would to they go? Phantasma Magic or they write service at phantasmamagic.com and we'll let you know when our next Zoom classes are. That's great. You're promoting uh, these things in a lot of different ways. Uh, You've been on a lot of TV, uh, the Smithsonian Channel, PBS, Showtime, A&E, a lot of different news shows. uh, And it's a great way to spread the word. Now, people with ordinary professions would not get a chance to go on these TV shows and show something really cool. So you're in a catbird seat here, Roger. It's it's fun, Buzz. Everyone has to do in order to have a magical life, you must do what you're passionate about. 
uh, money comes secondary. And if you're enjoying it and you're seeing the smile on kids' faces, um, sure, we had we were on CBS early show. We cut the weatherman in half or we're on Fox News and showing them how spiritualists make the ghost appear. We're on MTV showing how you can make girls uh, meeting magic. We're on a and How to meet Bye. girls with magic? How to <laughs> making a bouquet of flowers appear? Why not, Buzz? You gotta do it. So yes, uh, maybe uh, yes. Magic is a magic is known to be a great icebreaker. So it's not just meeting girls through magic. It's for businesses or even girls meeting guys through magic. Uh, today's society, it's not just one sided that way. A lot of girls uh, perform magic as well. So magic is definitely an icebreaker where you start off a meeting, whether it's a social meeting or a business meeting, uh, there's nothing like um, breaking the ice by making someone go, what was that? Wow, how was that done? So yes, magic uh, does open up the doors. You walk into the room, you do a great magic trick, and then you've got the room, that's it. There's uh, one of my favorite uh, performers in California that works at the Magic Castle a lot. His name is AJ, and he would start, and next thing you know, there would be a cockroach appearing on his hand. The cockroach would start moving around, and what does he do with it? He just smacks the cockroach so the guts shoot all over. If that doesn't get attention, nothing will. Well, he sells those cockroaches, Roger, yes, and, and you can purchase one too. Of course, <laughs> he should give them to you because you are the, the head marketer around here. Yeah, it's called the, they think the dancing cucaracha, he calls it. So, yes, I'm uh, very lucky to have a lot of unusual friends in my repertoire that know how to break the ice. Or this book was called The Art of Schmoozing, and uh, Penn Gillette of Penn and Teller actually did the audio book on it. It's just uh, really brilliant about how you can schmooze people with magic and through just in general, uh, as he would call it, chach. Uh, so, yes, magic can definitely make people smile and it can open up the doors a lot. Um, Phantasma Toys is a global award-winning manufacturing uh, company uh, ranked as the number one brand in the magic set area. So you produce sets that you send out. These are small sets, large sets. What's the range of product you've got? It's, um, we're very fortunate. Um, a lot of the top retailers um, carry our sets and our sets actually are endorsed by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. Um, if you go to magician.org, uh, no matter where you are in the world, you can find a local magic club for you to join. And we're fortunate that the IBM or International Brotherhood of Magicians has endorsed our brand of Phantasma Magic sets because of the approach we take. We wanna make sure the tricks are exactly the way they're described they're easy to do, but also we have some more advanced versions of tricks, and it's really a beautiful art form. So magic is uh, one of the things that I love to do is I love to go to magic conferences where they have dealers that are selling antique magic tricks, and a lot of these tricks are made out of wood or made out of metal, and what Phantasma would do is we would have so much fun adapting it to maybe put it in plastic or a variety of different uh, materials. So we're taking classic tricks that were done years ago that haven't been done in a long time, 
and bringing them out. Um, we have one trick called the magic table. It's a wooden case that becomes a table for you to perform on. This was uh, based upon a 1947 Strathmore magic kit uh, that we adapted to our own version. So um, I'm very lucky to be playing, creating magic sets and one retailer might say, I want a small set. I only have this much space. One says, I want the best set possible. Uh, in fact, Hamnecker Schlemmer this Christmas is going to be having our wooden magic table or Finger, uh, Finger Hut or Blue Stem is also going to be having our magic sets online in their catalogs. So we make different sets for different people, different qualities, and we just have fun. Now, there, there's an area of, uh, of uh, toy collecting that uh, you're into. It's antique toy toy collecting uh tell us about your collection i love antique toys because it just inspires me when we were doing uh disney watches and clocks uh for many years i had so much fun where i would buy okay so 45. as far as collecting antique toys i had so much fun when we were manufacturing disney's watches and clocks i would go to antique fairs and find the original Superman watch or the original Dick Tracy watch or the original backwards Goofy or the original Cinderella or Alice in Wonderland and we would reproduce those classics for the Warner Brothers stores and the Disney stores and the Disney catalog and I would get to keep them in our uh, collection archives and share them with people and other metal toys I love little metal toys and wind up toys uh, that are always a lot of fun so in order to become a successful toy manufacturer, you have to understand what was done in the past, and you can learn from the past and to see what was done in the past and how to make it updated for today's uh, more sophisticated kids due to uh, the internet. Have children's attitudes toward toys changed over the years? Uh, Unfortunately, yes, but maybe we'll see the future outcome. Um, as every parent knows, kids today don't know how to get off their phones. They're playing games on their phones. They're constantly on their phones. And there's so many different apps and so many different things. But kids are losing the basic naturalness of a just a Monopoly card game or Candyland or just playing with a magic set. So kids today are definitely different from the way uh, we were brought up because we didn't have that cell phone. And now even the youngest child, even when they're two or three, are playing on tablets. So kids today are learning an awful lot. But in my own personal opinion, this is just my opinion, sometimes kids are just learning too fast and their attention span is very limited. In fact, TikTok uh, has uh, videos for 15 seconds up to a minute or so and everything is instant 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 I would love for kids just to be able to relax just to interact with one another and just have fun uh, that's the goal that we have with all the different items that we make we want kids to interact and to have fun will the uh, magic shop be reopening or will it be opening in a different location when it does we can't wait for the day when our Houdini Museum of New York is reopened in New York. So one day we hope that can happen. Uh, in the meantime, as I said, you can contact us uh, through HoudiniRevealed.com. 
and we can open up our temporary storage facility to give uh, private tours for different interest groups or different uh, biographers, et cetera, about Houdini. Um, but we are hopefully going to be opening up a magic shop inside a future Toys R Us inside New Jersey, which we're pretty excited about. Do you have any dates? Now, we're recording in June of 21. Uh, this show will air two times. So our, our magic shop, um, we hope one day to have it in New York City once again, but we are going to be opening up inside the future Toys R Us that's supposed to be opening up in October, November in New Jersey area. Uh, I'm not allowed to say if, uh, because we signed the non-disclosure agreement about the secret, but now you've heard it first that there is the possibility of Toys R Us coming back. We would love to be able to say one day we're going to open in New York. We're just waiting for things to calm down in the city in order for us to do so. But there's a possibility that we will be opening up a Phantasma Magic venue inside the future Toys R Us. Um, that hasn't been announced yet. So this is a first that you're hearing your listeners are hearing that, that there's a chance of Toys R Us reopening again later this year somewhere in New Jersey. So... Google Toys R Us, probably around October, November, you'll find out where that secret location is, and hopefully you'll get to meet me and my uh, fellow magic demonstrators, uh, magician for everybody. You know, New Jersey's a big state. I uh, hope it's not in the Pine Barrens or something like that. <laughs> uh, or not on, the, uh, not on the, uh, the lake zone, so no, don't worry. It's going to be in a very well-known uh, position of New Jersey. I'm sure, I'm sure it will be. So you've been collecting all the all this magic. Uh, do do you have it at home? Um, I have some of the magic at home and some in our storage facility. The more valuable things are in a outside storage facility. But I'm very lucky that we have artifacts that belong to different famous magicians. Uh, and in fact, even in one of our magic sets, Masters of Magic, we're the only magic company that's ever included film footage of the greatest magicians of yesteryear that range from Houdini to Slidini to Di Vernon to Channing Pollock to Jeffrey Buckingham. These are names that a lot of people haven't heard from, but uh, yes, um, we always believe that in order for you to become a great magician today, you have to realize uh, who were the greats in the past. So that to us is very important. One of my favorite magicians of the past, maybe remember him, was Carl Ballantyne. Ballantyne, world, yes. Yeah, the world's greatest magician. Unfortunately, that was what his sign said, but nothing ever worked. And he's the guy that made the rubber chicken famous. And uh, we're very fortunate uh, to have uh, thrown a charity event in Carl Ballantyne's honor. What an event that was in Las Vegas. And as a result of the evening, Carl awarded me, uh, well, what else could I deserve but a rubber chicken signed by him? So, uh, yes, so that's one of my favorite pieces uh, that we have in our collection. A rubber chicken rubber chicken by the world's greatest magician. Have you got uh, that nailed to the wall in your house? Uh, something like that. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, I'm not going to tell you the area where uh, Mr. Ballantyne signed the chicken. I'll leave that to your <laughs> listener's imagination. But, Let my uh, mind only, go crazy here. Okay. Yes, only, only how uh, Mr. Ballantyne could do. But then we have other performers uh, that were greats that range from uh, David Blaine with his boots that he wore when he was frozen in time. Um, 
David Copperfield's costume that he performed on Broadway where a laser beam cut him in half. That was uh, pretty amazing. And then uh, little things um, like uh, Penn and Teller is from their TV show Bullshit uh, that we uh, even have. Uh, one of my favorite pieces from Penn and Teller is he came in second place on Celebrity Apprentice. I love Penn and Teller. And Penn, before the former President Donald Trump, actually produced an ice cream uh, that we were fortunate enough to help Penn. Uh, so Penn came in second place, uh, and he did a great job on Celebrity Apprentice. So yes, we like collecting all different types of unusual things, and Penn, of course, as a way of saying thank you, gave us back the prop that he used to produce the ice cream, which was kind of cool. Now, Penn is also uh, in the uh, Houdini bag about uh, when he disses spiritualism uh, as well. Do you know that aspect of, uh, of him? Yes, uh, Penn is uh, definitely, he was very close with the amazing Randy that I also was close with and loved. And just uh, Penn says it like it is. Uh, he definitely doesn't want people being misled, or as he would use it, his uh, Showtime TV show, not my words, but bullshit. Bullshit, and sure. So that's what Penn would uh, say to a lot of the different spiritualists that were trying to take people's money to speak to your deceased people. So, yes, uh, in fact, uh, the amazing Randy was definitely on the war path over the years, and he unfortunately passed away recently. But uh, Penn continues, along with Teller's support, to do great things for the art of magic, just not uh, just appearing at the Rio. They're a, a great team. I would say that they're... Roger, what would you like people to know about you that they don't already know? Uh, wow. Now, there's a loaded deck of questions. That's uh, a loaded deck right there. <laughs> you've, you've, uh, you're leading such an interesting life here. Uh, is that people judge you uh, by what they see? Uh, but, uh, are, but are you different than that? What, what's... What do people not know about you? It's um, it's very simple, and the people that do know me do know the answer. I'm a corporate businessman leading a successful toy manufacturing company. Um, if you say to me, which is more important, selling a magic set to Target or changing a kid's life, I would say changing a kid's life. It is absolutely beautiful to see that child walk in when he sees his first magic trick performed and how those things uh, change. Uh, some of the famous magicians out there today that have had their lives change is one is John uh, McLaughlin. He was the former director of the CIA during 9-11. Uh, another famous magician is Ernie Herman. He is the current chairman of TJ Maxx worldwide and a phenomenal leader and um, magic taught him a lot when he was a child. Um, so it's magic changes um, people's lives. Although you might still not be doing shows or card tricks, the basic beginnings that you've learned from magic will always be with you. So the one thing that people might not realize that it's not about the corporate um, toy manufacturing that makes me happy. It's uh, making a kid... Uh, change his life that he will never forget the experience like I did when I was a young kid walking into a magic store. And when your grandfather bought you that uh, those cards, uh, the, the trick deck, uh, th that was the start for you. Yeah, I'm very lucky. My grandfather was a uh, 
Russian-Polish immigrant school of hard knocks in New York, and I told them kids were cheating me in cards, and he took me to Paul Diamond's Magic and Fun store in Fort Lauderdale, Searstown, Florida, that unfortunately, like many brick-and-mortar magic shops, are disappearing. And he uh, got me a marked deck, and coincidentally, I think we sell close to 800,000 decks of marked cards a year. 800,000. That's a big number. So yes, I love marked decks, and I want every single kid to be able to have a marked deck uh, from Phantasma that would allow them to read their friends' minds uh, and use it, of course, but not for gambling purposes. Not good, not good. No, your your life would have gone in a whole different direction had you used that marked deck in the wrong way. Absolutely. I would have been uh, Houdini handcuffed in jail and not get out of jail. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. Houdini would escape the jail and I would still be there not having this interview. Who knew? If if you were to sell one of the pair of handcuffs that you own that Houdini used, what would the value be on something like that? Um, the value of the recent uh, auctions, and this is why we keep all of our Houdini in a uh, outside where a secured warehouse. Um, a Houdini handcuffs just sold for nine thousand dollars a pair of his handcuffs. Um, so yes, uh, the handcuffs would normally go for $300 without the Houdini provenance, but the fact that Houdini escaped for them or worked with them or was part of his collection, yeah, not a bad uh, thing, $9,000, there you go. Amazing. And some Houdini posters have been selling for $100,000. Stop. Um, there's one Houdini poster now, and not mine, but someone selling a Houdini poster for $120,000. So Houdini is a great investment that has been going up in value, but my interest in Houdini is not to have it for investment. It's for um, changing people's lives with what Houdini did as an immigrant to where he became the king of vaudeville. As a focus to help people with their critical thinking to bring kids into that joy of magic and uh, speaking to other people and, and, and elevating their lives into a whole nother level. And, and that's what you do. And you're good at that. And Roger, uh, I, I want to thank you uh, uh, for being on the record and off the wall with us here today. Um, it's been Absolutely, a great show. Buzz. It's been fun. And um, so when are you going to come and visit me? I'm going to uh, put the Houdini handcuffs on you, Buzz, <laughs> and I'm going to give you, uh, let's see, maybe 30 seconds to get out or you're going to drown in that water right by my house, Buzz. So I, let's I would see love, what happens. Uh, is the water like, cold? Uh, hold on for a second. I'm looking at it. Yes, Buzz, I'm sorry. But Houdini did escape from frozen lakes, Buzz, so... If Houdini can do it, you can do it too. I believe in you, Buzz. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate it, and uh, I hope I can uh, change a lot of kids' lives out there, and not just kids, but adults as well, through the art of magic and entertainment. Uh, Thanks again, Buzz. And thank you, Roger. All the best.